gamification. It's a newish word. It's been around about 20 years, but man, it's a powerful force uh, in human psychology. And people who run companies like Twitter and Facebook, they, they know this so well, and they've hired so well. Um, and they brought in neurologists and brain experts to figure out how to make sure that you have a constant flow of dopamine, or I should say hits of it. You get likes, you get retweets. Um, that's part of the game. And this really matters. How does it relate to the FBI? Well, think of it this way. When Twitter steals your account because you post something that goes against the party's narrative, you lose your place in the game. And if you create another account and you get away with it, then you have to start all over. And you had all those followers. And all those people who liked what you said or retweeted what you said. And if you get suspended, well, then that's a couple, three days without that. Early in the days of the internet, people tried gamification, but really in a ham-handed way. Hey, we'll pay you money for using our starting page. We'll pay you money for listening to our internet radio. Or we'll pay you money for using our search engine. All that stuff failed. And it was ham-handed. But the social media stuff is very, very well done. And people don't understand. You've been put into a game. The FBI are playing the role of game makers. And that's a phrase I borrow from The Hunger Games, which I think is one of the most instructive movies of our time. And books. I think the books are far more instructive, incidentally. The FBI, according to Agent Stephen Friend, uh, he's a special agent who's currently on unpaid suspension because he invoked the Whistleblower Act, and they are, in fact, getting revenge on him, which is, in fact, against the law when someone is a whistleblower. According to Stephen Friend, there is a conscious effort at the FBI to make the process the punishment. And it is an amped up version of what the party does with social media. And the social media stuff, the banning and the disappearing and the deplatforming, that's meant to keep you down. I don't want to lose status. Dr. Peter McCullough is having his credentials struck and stolen from him one by one by one. Oh, he's no longer a board-certified cardiologist. Did he do something wrong? He spoke out. What the FBI is doing in multiple ways is the most un-American thing you can possibly do as a boss of government. And it's gamification on a very, very high level. And we need to remember one very important fact. The only knee we take is to the Lord. The Todd Herman Show. The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile. Todd Herman. The only need we take is to the Lord. I love that. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. 
And what's that really ridiculous and lame phrase? Interesting times we live in. Um, yeah, they're the most scary of times. And let us not have our hearts be troubled. We are not to fear. The Lord has made that very clear. Be still and know that I'm the Lord. The FBI is using process as punishment. I talked to my friend Glenn Morgan about something that happened in Ording, Washington. Uh, the guy is, is an Ording school board member. His name's Jeff Slaughter. I think you might have had him on your show in the past. Yeah, he's very familiar. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I've I've met him. I, I know I've talked to him probably a few times. We're not like close yeah. friends, but but he's just another guy out there trying to do the right thing, get involved in local government. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and he and, has just you know now it's, what is it eighteen months practically at, since the January sixth time frame, and suddenly he discovers last week that he um, that the that the feds were gonna there's an arrest warrant out for him. Yeah, I'm gonna tell you about the arrest warrants. We'll go back to that. I'll tell you about, I'll let Glenn tell you about what the FBI did. We'll go back to that. That was back in October 17th. We'll go back to that. Because this is an Ording school board member. And Stephen Friend says, this process as punishment is now policy at the Federal Bureau of Investigation. So what does he say they're doing? How big is this? And what does it mean for us? And how does it relate to social media and Twitter? Oh, and then this. Did you know that you're, if you upset someone about the election, you have committed a crime? According to the FBI. If you've caused someone upsets, you have committed an election crime. So let's compare Ording, Washington. We heard about a few weeks ago to the national happenings in our country. Hey, you can't protect everything, right? You, you just can't. But here's something that you can do is to protect where your money is. If you're 50 year, 58 years of age or older and you'll, you're still working and you have a 401k, your company probably doesn't use Bulwark Capital Management to manage your 401ks. They probably use Chuck Schwab or Fidelity. Uh, someone like that, you know, one of the organizations that's, that are pretending everything's normal and everything's good and everything's fine. And even if, even if you're in Schwab private banking, I mean, yes, you're getting better treatments at Schwab private banking, but only by degree. See, Bulwark Capital Management is animated to be a focus, just obsessive focus on risk management. And what that means is you can't manage risk until you recognize the situation you're in. You know, like when when people are lost and they refuse to admit they're lost, I'm not lost. You're increasing the risk. You know, if you're walking out on ice, the further you get away from the shore, the thinner the ice is going to be. If if you're not measuring it and tapping it, you are increasing your risk. Well, so it is with retirement. If you're 58 years of age or older and you have a 401k at your workplace, did you know that you can slide that over right now and have Bulwark Capital Management take control of that? Like, hey, you're Microsoft. I know you guys have 401k. I know Boeing people do. Warehouser. I mean, some of the big employers all across the country. So prior to retirement, while you're still building, with you don't even have to, it's not a taxable event. You're just changing who manages it. They can show you how to do this at Bulwark Capital Management. And now you can be taking advantage of the risk management headed up by the chief investment officer, Bulwark, Zach Abraham, whom you hear on the show every week. 
Just call Borough Capital Management. They're at 866-779-RISK. That's 866-779-RISK. Or you want to just have them call you, go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client services agreement. Borough Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC and SEC registered investment advisor. Yeah, so back to our friend uh, Glenn Morgan and his description of what happens in Ording in a second. But first, let's start at the national level because organizational rot flows down from above. The FBI, according to Stephen Friend, is using tactics in order to make the process the punishment. And, and this, is, this is their decision. It's quite purposeful. And it's interesting that we talked with Glenn about this a couple of weeks ago. Um, Stephen Friend talks about a case where as an FBI special agent, he'd been there five years on the SWAT team. And you know Stephen Friend. He's the guy who has been placed on unpaid suspension despite the fact that he's a whistleblower. And he says this stuff is politically active, or politically motivated. Of course it is. It's very clear that is. And he talks about a case with a gentleman who they, they, they had no real reason to believe he did anything. They had an anonymous phone call saying he had been at January 6th. So they were sent down to go harass this guy because of an anonymous phone call. And when we talk about harassing, it's not like they just visit or call. He tells the story of a guy. He had a lawyer. He knew he was being investigated for Jan 6 and for contact in Jan 6. They, they easily, easily could have just contacted his lawyer and said, hey, your guy has to come in. But instead of doing that, they're sending out tactical teams. They're, they're sending out SWAT teams. And Stephen Friend's concern is not just that this is making the process the punishment, that it's going to lead to violence. Now, of course, it's going to lead to violence. When you push this hard on innocent people, in the case of the guy with the anonymous phone call, when the FBI went to harass him, he said, I couldn't have been in Washington, D.C. on January 6th because I was burying my son. I was at his funeral. So I wasn't there. But thank you for reminding me of that. And the process being the punishment involves, of course, SWAT teams coming to the door and destruction. And in this case, he says that they are being obsessive and over the top about Jan 6, and it's to prove a point. And it's to terrify, and it's political. And he told justthenews.com, John Solomon, one of our considerations is that there's an unnecessary risk of danger. And as I said, frankly, we've been fairly lucky we haven't created a Ruby Ridge scenario where somebody's coming back from a hunting trip. And then all of a sudden, there's a tactical team at their door with a bear cat. And that can be avoided easily, especially if we have an open line of communication with this person. We've spoken to them. They have counsel. We could bring it to them to, to resolution. But they're not seeking resolution. The FBI is seeking people to take the need. The FBI is demonstrating to people, you came at the king. Washington, D.C. is the king. You can go wreck cities. And I don't want to go through the litany of things that Black Lives Matter Incorporated and Antifa is, is you know, quite, quite allowed to do. 
and in fact encouraged to do. But if you come at the king, you're going to pay, even if it's just an anonymous phone call. This is gamification taken to the highest possible conclusion. You are going to be put in prison for, well, well, just maybe for six weeks. We'll throw you in jail for six weeks. You can't afford a lawyer. You can't afford $6 million to go against the FBI, who if we want more money, we go take it from you. Oh, you can't afford that? That's too bad. That's okay. You can spend six months in prison or a year or two years or three years. No, we'll get it figured out eventually. Maybe you're, maybe you're innocent, but we don't, we don't really care. And Stephen Friend reminds us that there are quiet heroes within the FBI trying to get this fixed, trying to get this addressed. He just couldn't remain quiet any longer because of what he observed. Now, that's Jan 6. Well, so, so that can't possibly affect us because we weren't there, right? Okay. But the FBI, and this comes, um, this came to us last week. We talked a little bit about this. I got this from reclaimthenet.org, uh, and they got it through James O'Keefe at Project Veritas. The FBI is treating as crimes, as election crimes, misinformation, which is completely undefinable because we know that they don't care about truth. Misinformation is whatever they say is misinformation. And here's the pattern. If the government says it's true, even if it's patently false, if you disagree, it's misinformation. And by the way, not just the United States government. Dr. Peter McCullough is having his, uh, you know, Dr. Peter McCullough, uh, he's been an absolute hero on COVID and the injections, and he is the most cited physician-scientist of our time, and most cited physician in terms of his writings. And heretofore, prior to all this, he was completely non-controversial. He was widely respected, a board-certified cardiologist in all sorts of seats and all sorts of boards and publications, and they're being quietly stripped. Most recently, he's no longer board certified as a cardiologist because he can't do cardiology because he has opinions about the injection that run counter to the injections that run counter to the parties. So they're stripping him of his curriculum vital and his licenses will follow. Oh, well, these are just private boards doing what private boards do. This isn't, this isn't government. The, the, the cardiology board, that's not government. Are you kidding me? The process is the punishment. Oh, we didn't fire him. Oh, oh, well, sure, he can still practice medicine. It's just that now he's had all of his professional certifications ripped out of his hands. He has to change his entire biography to say, well, I used to have those awards, but they've been taken from me. So physicians, this is going to be aimed at you. How do we avoid it? We, 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 we can't. We're going to be taken. I continue to say it. This nation is going to be taken. So what do we do? We do not give in to fear. Those of us who are in the body of Christ, we gather as a body of Christ. We support one another. We recognize the reality of what is going to happen. We do everything we can at the ballot box to vote in godly people who will not fall for this stuff. If we get one hint, one cent, one sniff of a medical organization acting this way, we walk. We don't have anything to do with them. If we have friends who are being harassed by the FBI, we gather and we raise funds. We do everything we can to level the playing field. But that's just Jan 6. That couldn't possibly affect us. Back to reclaim the net and election stuff. 
You commit an election crime if you post misinformation, according to the FBI. So when I say something like the following, when five states at the same dark hour of 4.30 in the morning that happens to be the maximum human fatigue hour, the time where people are least alert, pretend they're going to stop counting votes and kick people out, but don't stop counting votes. And at that same period of time, Joe Biden takes a very, very unlikely lead. In fact, some would say a statistical impossibility in states where you didn't have to match signatures to the ballots, in states where they accepted ballots after the election, in states where they didn't check voter ID because you know that's racist, in states like Wisconsin, uh, where a special inspector, former, former, um, Supreme Court Justice of Wisconsin said there was widespread fraud. That seems to me like a stolen election. Misinformation, except all those things happened. But then there's this. If you post, if you, if you post something, something false and accurate information that is intended to mislead others, or disinformation campaigns on social media used to deliberately confuse, trick, or upset the public, If you post Democrats are demons and it upsets the public, you've committed a crime. If you post Trump voters are white nationalists and it upsets some of the public, you've committed an election crime. So let's go back to process as punishment. And let's go back and imagine as we head into midterms and then after this, of course, the presidential election. Stephen Friend is talking about people who were never in Washington, D.C. getting And why, were they, why was the FBI there? Because of one anonymous phone call. A single call. Anonymous. An FBI agent show up at the door. People who 18 months ago protested abortion. The FBI doesn't just show up the door. They show up and demand to come in. And they seize a man and they take, him to a, 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 uh, they take him to question him. And then, though he has no shoes, no warm clothes, no wallets, no cell phone, no money, they toss him out of the FBI. How am I going to get home? We don't care. Process is the punishment. These are ungodly acts. You're not to treat prisoners this way. You are to treat prisoners the same way you would treat the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus, in fact, spoke about it in Matthew. I was in prison and you did not visit me. Lord, when were you in prison? I tell you, as you treat the least of these, so you treat me. So I hope the FBI agents who are allowing themselves to be used in this way might take a read through the Bible or spend some time with the Bible or with godly people or with discipled leaders to understand what you're serving. Because you might, you, you are not serving law and order. When law does not apply equally, law is not a law. It's a weapon. And so let's go back through my friend Glenn Morgan talking about process as punishment um, in Ording, Washington with a school board member named Jeff Slaughter who went to Washington, D.C. on January 6th. He didn't go, according to Glenn, he didn't go into the Capitol. He didn't spray paint anything. He didn't illegally walk on the lawn. He took his son with him. But because he was there, 
listen to what process as punishment meant, and then we'll wind this down into the utter and insane, but very sensical panic, the mainstream media about Twitter. Hey, you know, this past, uh, what was it, last week we started finally, and this, is, this has been a long time coming. Um, to start to get outreach from companies so large, uh, particularly like MyPillow, such a big company, so successful. And obviously, you know, Mike Lindell is quite clearly a godly conservative. That's, he's made that evident. And speaking of process as punishment, I got to talk to a friend of mine this weekend, a guy named Steve Bradshaw, ran for governor here in the state of Idaho. He himself is a pastor. He got to talk to Lindell about when the FBI came at him and said, we want your cell phone. And according to Steve Bradshaw, Mike said, okay, here you go. Have a good day. See ya. Oh, and I think Mike was in line at the Chick-fil-A, right? There you go. Here's my phone. I'll go buy another. Bye. And that's the sign of someone in my judgment who lives in the fruit of the spirit. Mike Lindell's, hey, you know what? I'm going to have peace about this. I'm not going to let you cause me to worry. I'm not even going to hate you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to have patience and forbearance. Now, part of that is because we support him. But honestly, if Mike Lindell was doing all this and he made garbage products, I mean, I'd contribute to a GoFundMe, but he doesn't make garbage products. remember talking to him when I interviewed him years ago. This is a long time ago, and I was asking about other products that pillows have done so well. Are you looking at anything like, you know, bedding, et cetera? And he said, you know, we're looking at that. We just haven't found anything that meets our standards yet. So we do a lot of testing. Yeah, we want to get there, but we, you know, the pillows have been such a huge hit because of what they do for sleep. Mike's obsessed with making sure people sleep well because for years he didn't. So then they found the formula for the sheets. But then there's this. He's got to be able to make them in the United States. He's got to, he's got to make sure they're American made. Okay, so then you need to go through that process. That's where the sheets landed. And what you'll end up with are the softest bed sheets I think you'll ever feel. And because of the new partnership with MyPillow, you get these at the low price of $29.98. And when you feel the quality of these sheets, you'll understand how nuts that is, that price point. Here's what you need to do. Just go to MyPillow.com slash Herman. Use the promo code Herman. That's my last name, H-E-R-M-A-N, for special deep discounts on MyPillow products. And you get the 100% quality, American-made, MyPillow.com slash Herman. Use the promo code Herman for anything there. Okay, you get the special price on the sheets at mypillow.com slash Herman, but you can use my promo code Herman for anything uh, and get special rates from Mike Lindell at MyPillow. It's mypillow.com slash Herman, H-E-R-M-E-N, or just my promo code Herman across my site there, mypillow.com slash Herman. So as we listen to Glenn Morgan tell the story of Jeff Slaughter, just briefly, the story of Jeff Slaughter in Ording, Washington, prepare to compare this. Wow. Hear that? I'm Jesse Jackson. Prepare to compare. Prepare to compare what they do here to Jeff Slaughter to the minor way they've been able to treat us on Twitter. Uh, the guy is, is an Ording school board member. His name's Jeff Slaughter. I think you might have had him on your show in the past. Yeah, he's very familiar. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I've I've met him. I, I know I've talked to him probably a few times. We're not like close yeah. friends, but but he's just another guy out there trying to do the right thing, get involved in local government, uh, and he has just you know now what is it eighteen months practically at, since the January sixth time frame, and suddenly he discovers last week 
that he um, that the that the feds were going to there's an arrest warrant out for him. I don't know how he discovered it, but he found out about it. And so he thought, oh, hey, uh, he called the FBI and he said, listen, I'll go turn myself in. You tell me where to go. I'll go turn myself in. Let me just get an attorney. I'll drive to wherever you are and, and I'll meet you and turn turn myself in. And while he's in the process of getting an attorney, um, they show up with this the federal SWAT you know, equipment and they, they come in on his house like he's some kind of, you know, drug kingpin with a with an army there ready to go. Yeah. And uh, they broke his door down, smashed his door down. They didn't have to. They could have just asked him, you know, but of course they break the door and he, he looks at the search warrant and he sees that it includes uh, his safes. And I'm getting this secondhand from yeah. uh, from some people that were that were either there or close to there or talked to him afterwards. But that he had he had a couple safes in his house, like most of us who have firearms do. And so he saw the safes were on the search warrant list, and he said, "Hey, listen, here's the code. Uh, here's the uh, the code to get into the safe. You can just open it up yourself and take a look." But they just threw that away, ignored it, and went in and cut and basically, you know, cut the safe apart and destroyed the safe. And, and those safes are multi thousand dollar safes. I mean, you can buy. You know this. You can buy a five, ten, fifteen thousand dollar gun safe. I don't know what. Uh, I, I don't know what Mr. Slaughter owned. I don't know what Jeff owned. Oh, and incidentally, for good measure, they threw his guns all over the place, his ammo all over the place, his stuff all over the place. This is a guy who had an attorney, was ready to turn himself in, said, hey, I'll go where you want me to go, turn myself in, cool. So, obviously, Stephen Friend is right, obviously process is punishment. This is what Mark Stein went through around the global warming scam and swindle. He's still going through it. So, what do we do? We recognize we are going to be taken. We recognize that we still have the vote to a great degree. And we're training up people. Glenn is training up people to observe elections. There's a lot of other people. There's more lawyers in the field. It's going to be harder to cheat, harder to get away with it. We still have that. The biggest power we have, though, is to prepare for the day when they come for us. Now, maybe that day never comes. God willing, it never does. God willing, we never get to knock on the door from the FBI. And statistically speaking, how many people could they go knock on the door on? Right? The, the, the point is not to go to every door and to kick in every door and to cut open every gun safe. It's to scare us. And the fact is, there's a reason I played the oldie but a goodie twice at the top of the show. The only knee we take is to the low. If we do that, if we remember the only time we're going to take the knee, we will take the knee to no man, but we will take it to the Lord. And we continue to speak truth and we continue to boldly proclaim God's word into this. It's our very best shot at surviving this. In fact, it's a guarantee. If we stick with God, we win. And they become more and more desperate and more and more impotent. And so, and here's, here's some signs of this. We talked about um, YouTube making doctors pledge allegiance to the World Health Organization if they want to be considered reliable. <laughs> the same World Health Organization that pretended we don't have immune systems. That World Health Organization. The Bill Gates and China, Chinese Communist Party owned World Health Organization. So doctors have to pledge allegiance to the Chinese Communist Party and to Bill Gates by way of the World Health Organization. And the people who run YouTube are spiritual captives. They can't see this. They're, they're held captive. They have Stockholm syndrome. They don't understand what they serve. They have no idea who they're serving with this. 
So instead of hating them or even having aggressive thoughts towards them, not that we're going to go hurt them, but aggressive rhetorically, we need to recognize these people are held absolute spiritual captives. They have no idea what they're doing. They, d- they don't deserve, but they get our prayers. They don't deserve them, but they get them. We don't deserve our, we don't deserve God's love and we get it. This is the way he loves us. We have to love others. There's another example. Newsweek. <laughs> I've, I've prepped this show two days ago, and I'm adding new material today. <laughs> and I, just, I forgot this was in here. <laughs> uh, Newsweek. <laughs> Sorry. Being horribly, uh, horribly uh, lacking in professional uh, decorum. Uh, well, I'm just thinking, <laughs> no, I've never not been able to complete a segment due to laughter. <laughs> I'm just remembering the Rush Limbaugh, God rest in parody ad about Newsweek being sold for a buck. Do you remember that? It was a telemarketer calling someone and, hey, we got a special offer for Newsweek. It's only a buck. And the guy says, a buck? That, I don't know, it sounds too good to be true. But wait, there's more. It's not just, the, it's not just this current issue. <laughs> you can own the entire company for a dollar. And the guy said, ah, I'm not interested. Do you have anything else? Do you have any other magazines that you might sell me? Um, so Ted Cruz came out and said, when he was on The View, he said, hey, you didn't say, you guys weren't upset when Antifa and Black Lives Matter Incorporated were going around the country burning down cities. And it was Whippy Goldberg who, who had never heard of Antifa. That, what is that? The Washington, yeah, no, probably Newsweek, same thing, but Newsweek, in a fact check, Quote, labeling the 2020 um, Antifa Black Lives Matter-led protests, or so labeling the 2020 protests as Antifa riots is misleading too, as there there is no (laughs) organization, there's no organization, there's no group or organization known known as such. There's, you can go to Seattle, there's, there's Antifa cafes. You, you, can buy Antifa, you can buy Antifa t-shirts on, on Amazon. Keith Ellison had his picture taken with the, with the Antifa handbook. <laughs> there are videos of Antifa trainings. <laughs> and Newsweek says they don't exist. Ted Cruz should be careful. Because, you know, that sounds like some election disinformation. He might get a knock from the FBI. Well, they would never do that to a United States senator. But they did it to a president. Former president. Oh, but they'd never cross that line. No. Not a sitting office holder. Wait, didn't they just... Didn't they just arrest a congressman for being in D.C. in Chan 6? Or is that a state legislator? Huh.
Hey, um, this is a hard admission for me to make. <laughs> I think I might be getting a little obsessive about the gym. A little bit. And I think I'm racing father time a little bit. You ever feel that way? I went out hiking uh, this weekend with my dear friend, Tom. And I had done four straight days of working out and had just the day before done a really heavy deadlift day. And so that didn't stop me, though, from strapping a 65-pound pack on my back. And when we went up on this hike, and I got to a point, we were doing some rock climbing, not technical, not, you know, cliff face stuff, old man stuff. And Tom's in fantastic shape. And we got to a point where the only way for me to get up this rock was to do a heavier, more intense version of the exact movement that's caused a minor injury a few weeks ago. And it's minor. And it's not an unexpected thing, nor is it rare if you are a lifter. It it's, happens to be your glycerus. Did I say that right? Glycerus. This glycerus, glycerus muscle. But instead of turning to Tom and saying, I should take this pack off and, <laughs> and crawl up, I went ahead and did the, the great big lunge. And, and, I, and I didn't re-injure, but I annoyed that muscle. It was stupid. Now, I want to ask you a question. Um, are, you, are you doing the reverse? See, I'm, I think I'm, it's not really holding on to youth because I'm quite fine aging and, and going to the Lord. I, I think it's holding on to a thing that meant so much to me, which is competing and sweating and being in what they call the dark place in, in, in CrossFit. Are you holding on to something? And is it food as pleasure? Now, it's a serious gut check thing. I'm asking you a question. Is it, it's a serious gut check. Has food replaced, let's say, church events? Has it replaced family time? Has it replaced true intimacy in your life? Where maybe you don't have enough intimacy. Maybe your marriage is at a broken point. And marriages sometimes break and have to be fixed. Are you in that position? Uh, my friends at Soda Weight Loss know both sorts of people, like people like me who are stupidly obsessed with holding on to something, and then people who are unknowingly holding on to food as comfort. One of the wisest words I ever heard came from the CEO of 1-800-GOT-JUNK. He said, people are defined by that which they cannot throw out. Do you want to change? Simple as that. If you don't want to change, I can't help you. If you do want to change and you want to jettison that maladapted way of viewing food and experiencing the joy of meals that God gave us, please reach out to my friends at Soda Weight Loss, S-O-T-A Weight Loss.com. That's S-O-T-A Weight Loss. It stands for State of the Art. And they are, the evidence is quite clear, 7,000, over 7,000 Google reviews, average of 4.8 out of five stars. They've gone from seven locations in Texas to nationwide. It's SodaWeightLoss.com. All right, so we've gone from the national level, the FBI, we've given examples of that, and we started by talking about the gamification of all this, and um, the national game is, hey, here's the game, we're the game makers, and if you even try to take a square politically, we're going we're gonna to slap you one way or another, and it goes all the way down to the level of tweets, 
which is one of the reasons why the left was so utterly, utterly crazed with Elon Musk finally taking over Twitter. Now, I am not, I have no idea if Elon is a good guy or not. I have no idea. I've only heard his words. I have no idea what he's going to do with Twitter. I don't think he knows the Lord. And by the way, you could be a good person and not know the Lord. I don't know how you do it, but you can. But you can't be saved without knowing the Lord. So he, you know, the famous story, walked in with the sink. Let that sink in. I'm owning Twitter. Let that sink in. If you don't use Twitter, that's a constant saying, let that sink in. And the response from the Mockingbird media has been everything you would expect the response from the Mockingbird media uh, to be. Elon Musk takes over Twitter. How his plans for the platform could have a major impact on hate speech and on global politics. I don't know if it'll be immediate, but it's pretty clear President Donald Trump will probably be invited back on the platform. I begin with one of the nation's most politically influential social media platforms now under new ownership could have big implications for our democracy. According to multiple reports, Elon Musk is now officially in charge of Twitter after a multi-billion dollar deal that he actually tried to back out of at one point. There are also reports that he's already fired the CEO and other top executives. Change is coming there. Overnight, Musk tweeted, quote, the bird is freed. Jonathan Vigliotti has made his way to Twitter headquarters in San Francisco. Jonathan, yesterday, Mr. Musk walked in with a sink. Apparently, executives are walking out with little boxes of their stuff. Change is coming. Good morning. Uh, good morning to you, Tony. And the question this morning, how will Musk balance out freedom of speech while at the same time discouraging and reining in misinformation? The stakes Which they are can't incredibly high for millions of Americans. I want you to keep in mind, U.S. prosecutors determined in 2016 a Russian agency used Twitter and other social media sites in an attempt to sway the election. Even Twitter's founder said misinformation about false election claims led to the attack on the Capitol last year. Uh, number one, the the oh okay oh my goodness gracious a lot of things led to people being super angry at dc angry enough to want to go into the capitol and we can go back through the list you destroyed 40 percent of small businesses you snuffed them out you shifted those monies over to big businesses like amazon and netflix You caused a record number of suicides with teens and adolescents. You put people back into alcoholism. You denied cancer, heart treatments, and stroke screenings, and people died, and they continued to pay the cost of that. You said you can't have your lives back. You have to wear woke masks. People were humiliated, kicked out of businesses, treated like they were spreaders of disease when they weren't even sick themselves. In the midst of that, you took a break and said, it's not, you cannot spread COVID if you're black and burning buildings down or if you're black adjacents and burning buildings down, or if you support black people burning buildings down and you help them, then you can't spread COVID. But if you go to Sturgis and you are white on a Harley, you are COVID itself. And then it was, you cannot have your lives back until you take the injections, but don't worry, they'll stop the disease. And everybody saw that they weren't going to stop the disease. Then it was, hey, we're going to change all the rules to the elections in ways that will encourage fraud up to and including allowing Mark Zuckerberg to buy the people who count the votes. Hey, we're going to put wooden boards up in the windows when citizens try to observe their own votes being counted and we're going to let people get away with that and we can go back through the list of things. 
And it's the safest, most secure election in history, even though we didn't check voter ID and signatures didn't have to match. And we accepted ballots that came in after the election closed. But super safe, super secure. The election count, the, the election devices, the vote counting devices aren't connected to the internet. Oh, wait, they're connected to the internet. Well, but there was no, inf- there was no, no intrusion. Oh, wait, um, there's been an election uh, you know, uh, t- technical election company head arrested because he was allowing the Chinese Communist Party to get copies of voter data. But that's just that. Yeah, it's just the disinformation. Jack Dorsey. And secondly, a Russian agency. Well, guess what? Russians run anti-fracking ads here. Guess what? Russians and Chinese uh, and the Chinese Communist Party are pushing the transing of kids. They're pouring fentanyl across our border. They've, according to retired Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin, the Chinese Communist Party has infiltrated all the way up into the White House. But yes, Twitter. Now, they understand what Twitter has meant to them. They understand that they had a seat at the game-making table. They understand that they were some of the fact-checkers. And they see that they're losing their seats at the game-making table. Now, I cannot figure out for the life of me, and this is, this is life 2022, if this is a, a parody post or not on Twitter. He, this guy's an academic, uh, Richard Hananya. He, he writes this. Um, he's talking about the CEO of Twitter and the lady who is the chief uh, thought police. First name is the CEO. He writes, Parag Agrawal, PhD, person of color. Vivaya Gade, JD, woman of color. Lawyer, woman of color. They've been fired by Elon Musk. Not even a master's, white male. Experts have been warning against white mediocrity and it's dangerous to democracy. Hopefully people will now listen. <laughs> um, the CEO of Twitter walked out of there with about $50 million. I think it's, I think it's more than that. I think it's 54.5 million bucks. Oh, it works out. And Vivaya Gade is going to go lecture. She'll go to some other social media company. And there's no way that she came out of there without five to 10 million bucks at a company that's never turned a profit. Oh, wait till we get to the New York Times. Wait till we get to that. Then there was this, and this is just such a thing of beauty. I fell completely for this. Absolutely bought it. These are two guys who, brilliant, brilliant parody, who came out of the Twitter headquarters carrying cardboard boxes, and I can't say that they pounced, because only Republicans pounced. I can't say that they seized on the moment, because only conservatives seize. But the very, very curious... Uh, press corps who wants who, what, where, when, why, and that's it, wanted to talk to these so-called fired Twitter employees. Turned out to be a great parody act. What do you make of that? What do you think Twitter will look like? I mean, a free speech is, you know, Nazis saying that, uh, you know, trans women shouldn't, you know, use women's uh, locker rooms, then 
awesome. I guess mission accomplished. We'll see. Listen, I got to touch base with my husband and wife. I got to get out of here. All right. Thank you guys. Sorry, Daniel. Thank you. I wonder if his real name is Daniel or if it's Daniel in the lion's den. Because his partner uh, in crime, you know, in parody, used a last name that has to do with meme culture um, online. Okay, that's a parody. Now, you tell me, is, is this a parody? No, you tell me. And then we'll get to the New York Times, which is not a parody, but it should be. Now, you, you tell me, is, is this woman serious or is this a parody suzanne uh elon musk's whole point in his takeover for twitter at least his whole stated point has been about free speech has been about how social media and corporate america stifles free speech and he wants to bring free speech to twitter he calls it a globe a digital town square you're saying that in fact the opposite might be achieved why I think it's a real risk. Look, free speech is not the Tower of Babel. It's not an environment where everyone just sounds off at will and no one is listening to each other and it's a cacophony. Free speech, the value of free speech, the reason it's protected under international law under the First Amendment is because it gives us the opportunity to persuade one another, to engage in a give and take, to reach an audience, to find better policies, to sort between fact and falsehood. And if you have a platform like Twitter that is so overrun with disinformation that you cannot discern who to believe, that you're inundated with propaganda and people trying to pull one over on you, in that kind of environment, the value of free speech is undercut. You can't learn about something new. You can't spread your idea around. You can't win new followers. And so I think that's the risk. If he really goes through with what he originally said, which was that he would do away with all content guardrails, I think it would be that Tower of Babel environment. Okay. Free speech is not the Tower of Babel. You're right. Free speech is not an act of God taken to frustrate the plans of people who thought they were God. You're right. And you go to say that free speech is not this cacophony where everybody's yelling and nobody's listening. No, you're wrong. That's an aspect of free speech. Sometimes that happens in a free society. You go on then to say that the value of free speech not adding the phrase in your mind. The value of free speech is that we can air a lot of ideas and sort through them and come to better policy. Okay, that is one of the great side effects of free speech. And then you, who works at MSNBC, talks about Twitter being flooded with disinformation. You work at a network that still says Donald Trump was a Russian plant. Now, it's such a good thing that you and I have actual truth on which to stand. It's such a good thing that you and I are not held captive spiritually. That lady doesn't know what the Tower of Babel is. She knows it's a phrase that has some vague relationship to speech. She doesn't know that she cannot on her own decide what is disinformation. She can decide things that she doesn't like. She doesn't even recognize blatant truth. 
If you're on MSNBC, you're not allowed to recognize that men are not women. You are not allowed to recognize that one simply cannot spend their way out of debt. You are not allowed to recognize the fact that Joe Biden shows every sign of what used to be early onset dementia, which is now full on onset of dementia. And then there's the New York Times. Now, the thread that ties this all together is game making. They on Twitter could count on the thought police, like the fired head of the thought police, having the back of MSNBC. They were at the game making table. The New York Times has been at the game making table. They've been at the, we are not going, we're going to pretend men are women table. We're going to force people to do this. This is part of what the uh, New York Times wrote. Mr. Musk's open approach to speech on Twitter could exacerbate long simmering issues of toxic content and misinformation affecting political debates around the world. Early tests will come within days when Brazil elects its president and American voters go to the polls on November 8 for the midterm elections. Twitter said it would prohibit misleading claims about voting and the outcome of the elections, but that was before Mr. Musk owned it. This all falls apart because this is an organization that says there's no truth. This is an organization that said, it's, it's probably, it's time to start eating people. This is an organization that when they, they failed on Russia, had a newsroom meeting where the head of their newsroom said, Russia has failed. We built our newsroom around this. Let's pivot to race. Who then brought in the 1619 project and pretended an active fiction was in fact curriculum. They're people of the lie. They cannot see the truth. They're spiritual captives. They have no idea who they serve. Then they turn to a university professor because why wouldn't they? Um, there could be real world consequences uh, to his leadership. David Kay, a law professor at the University of California, Irvine, who worked with the United Nations on issues of free speech, said of Misk's, uh, Mr. Musk's ownership of Twitter. To the extent that uh, world leaders say they have this uh, space and it's unmoderated, uh, they could push to see how far they could go. Oh, no. They could? Oh, no. If only there was a way to tell truth from falsehoods. If only there was a measuring stick. Now, there are sophisticated spam, scams. I fell for the parody. I get that. But when it comes to fundamental truth issues... You can't fall for disinformation if on issues of fundamental truth, you turn to the inventor of truth. And this is where postmodernism just goes splat. Postmodernism says there is no truth, and that's a fact. They cancel themselves. PayPal is reintroducing its $2,500 misinformation fine. No, they are. They've reintroduced it. They've softened the language a little bit. They've made it more specific. But they're saying, if you are a PayPal customer and you say something we don't like, we're going to take 2500 bucks from you. Spiritual captives. 
Look, you can get swindled on day-to-day life. You can get swindled on, oh, I didn't read that this, oh, I didn't know this was a subscription. Oh, no, when I signed up for this software, I didn't know it came with a subscription. Or, Wait a minute, I, I just bought this one this one set of razors. Why are they coming in the mail now? That's being conned. It's being, it's being lazy. But on issues of fundamental truth, there can be no misinformation. We have the ultimate way to block misinformation is to stand squarely on the word of God. And yet, where did this all begin? The process is the punishment. And what is the process? People who've been given the leadership to steward, treating the least of these, that's us, in ungodly ways. You know what else? There's a model for this, and shocking what it is. Shocking what the model is. You're going to raise our taxes? I'm going to vote against it. But if you get it done, okay. You're going to change the speed limit to something ridiculous and stupid? I hate it. I'm probably going to make a mistake and drive over it because that's what I do. I'm going to try to follow it. But you're going to come to me and say, your God, so-called your God, did not design an immune system. The only knee we take is to the Lord. You're going to come to me and say, that man over there with the five o'clock shadow and the mustache, that's a woman. The only knee we take is to the Lord. When it comes to issues of fundamental truth, there can be no disinformation if we ground ourselves in the source of all truth. And it's the ultimate defense against this. And against the corrupt FBI, who've made other people's emotions a crime you commit. This is the Todd Herman Show. Please, please go be well, be strong, be kind, and plant your feet like boots in concrete in the Word of God.